Hallelujah. All right, we are in week three of our series called Spirit and Truth, and uh, uh, where the when the mystical meets the logical. So we've been talking about the interaction between um, your Holy Spirit. You know, people have asked me, so are you guys holy rollers? And I'm like, well, I'm working on them. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll try to get them there. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, there's the, you know, the people that you ever gone to a meeting and it was like really, really out there. You ever done that? Yeah. All right. Well, if you haven't, I would encourage you to do so because it's very enjoyable. Uh, don't worry. It won't hurt you. Uh, anyway, I'll just leave that there. All right. Anyway, there's that side of Christianity, you know. I'm not talking about snake handlers, you know. But uh, And then there's this, the very prim and proper and straight-laced and we're going to do the right thing, you know, type of Christianity. Very uh, quiet and, and, you know, very right, doing the right thing. And those are both very, very important things because we see Jesus in John 4.23 says this. Jesus says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So the true worshipers will worship in spirit, Holy Spirit stuff, and in truth, doing the right thing and disciplined in spirit and in truth. And it doesn't matter where you are, what you're wearing, the things that you go through, it's spirit and truth. The Father seeks worshipers. If you're a believer, but you don't really feel like you're a worshiper, if you describe yourself as a believer in God, a believer in Jesus, but if I said, are you a worshiper of God, a worshiper of the Lord, and you're like, eh, Let me invite you, believer, into a relationship of being a worshiper. Having that relationship with God. It's a deeper relationship. It's a different experience to be a worshiper. Having a belief system is one thing. Being a worshiper is another thing. Our Father in heaven seeks worshipers. He does not create worshipers. Worshippers, He creates us with the capacity, but we have to make the choice. We have to fall in love with our God. So he seeks worshipers. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And so last week, <clears throat> I talked about the four possibilities of worshiping in truth, which is the knowing the truth and doing the truth. So we've got two columns, and it can be yes, 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 no, no, yes, and no, no. And Trinette was like, well, you can't just do that with your hand. You need to put a slide up on the screen. I'm like, well, give me a slide then. So she did. <laughs> so there's a slide. Look at that. So, in, oh, very helpful, right? She's like, she's like, I can't picture that. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we've got the... The column on the left, do you know the truth? Column on the right, do you do the truth? Because worshiping in truth isn't just knowing the truth, it's also doing the truth. And so last week we talked about, you know, these columns. So yes, I know the truth. Yes, I do the truth. That's what God's looking for. Amen? 
the yes, I know the truth, no, I don't do the truth, puts you in one of two categories. Level one is fool. Feeling good today? Yeah. It's like, dude's throwing elbows. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. All right. So, yes, I know the truth. No, I don't do the truth. Jesus said the foolish man is the one who hears and doesn't do it. It's like he's building his house on sand. Things fall apart. Now, if you know the truth and don't do it, and you're particularly uh, judgmental towards others, you have a negative opinion about what other people are doing and how they should be living their life, then you slip from fool into hypocrite. So knowing the truth, not doing it, and having a lot of expectations on other people puts you into the hypocrite pile. Uh, Is that a real good thing? No. Does that uh, bring people to Christ? No. Has a negative effect. So we don't want to be in that. Are there people who do not know the truth, but still do the truth? We read about that in Romans chapter 2. People who did not have the law, but by nature did things required by the law. Very interesting. There are people who do not believe in Jesus who are better people than some Christians are. Happens more often than I would prefer. Right? There are people who love their neighbor who couldn't care less about God, and they do a better job than most Christians do. People who do not know the truth, but they still do it anyway. And then there's the people who don't know the truth and they don't do the truth. And that's why we have evangelism. That's why we spread the word of God around the world is to give people the opportunity to know the truth. All right. Then there's the spirit. So if we're going to worship in spirit and in truth, we talked about the truth part. Here's the spirit part. So we got two categories of worshiping in spirit. There's the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those sorts of things. And then the gifts of the spirit, which are uh, anywhere from administration and helps and different fairly natural things to uh, very, very supernatural things like prophecy and miracles and healing and, and uh, you know, just kind of out there stuff. So we've got fruit and gifts, and this falls into the two categories as well. You can have yes, fruit, yes, gifts. Which one does God want? He wants yes, 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 right? Yes, know the truth. Yes, do the truth. Yes, you have the fruits of the Spirit. Yes, you have the gifts of the Spirit. And then there can be yes on fruit, no on gifts. There are churches that preach this as a doctrine, you know? No gifts of the Spirit. However, they can be really good people, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. Does that really hurt a lot of people? Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, if you've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and you're in a group like that, uh, that's pretty nice. You're probably not going to get healed. You know, you're not going to get delivered. You're not going to get set free. But it's going to be an encouraging environment, and, and you know, that's, that's pretty good. You're not going to go away from that scarred. How about no fruit, so no love, no joy, no peace, <laughs> no patience, and yes, gifts. Yes, prophecy. Yes, miracles. Yes, healing. Yes, you know, tongues and interpretation. If there's no fruit, but yet, yes, gifts. We talked about that last week as the false prophet category. That's a very dangerous category. 
And so this hurts people profoundly when there is no love, there is no joy, there's strife and ugliness, and yet there's miracles happening. You know, what's going on there? But very clearly described again, uh, false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. And then we've got no fruit no gifts. Now, the problem with these things is it doesn't just affect us. It's not just that I want to get in the yes, 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 and have a good uh, report card category. But if I'm in the yes, no, no, yes category, you know, I'm going to hurt a lot of people. If I'm in the yes, no, no, no category, I'm going to be just a person that you don't want to be around. That's not going to help other people connect with God. It's going to do damage. And so we have an impact on other people. We don't want to be in the fool, hypocrite, or false prophet categories. We want to be free from that. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about embracing these things and going towards them. We're going to talk about walking into the things of the truth. So let's pray. We'll get into new material this morning. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to just wander around and do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit, and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us to grab hold of what you got for us today. I know you've got good things for us, each one, wherever we're at. We're all dealing with different things. We're fighting different parts of the battle. And, Lord, you know exactly where we are. So I pray by your Holy Spirit you would touch us right where we're at with just what we need to be able to believe in you better, take a step forward in serving you better. Lord, be one more step freer. Lord, just help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So how do we get good at worshiping God in truth? Well, we learn the truth and we put it into practice. This you can actually grit your teeth and do. It's different than the things of the Spirit. You don't grit your teeth and do the things of the Spirit. But you can just like study the Scriptures and then just put it into practice if you feel like it or not. You know, you will learn and grow. You can love your neighbor. You can do nice things for your neighbor if you don't have it in your heart. The thing in your heart will come. That's more of a fruit of the Spirit. So how do we get good at this? Let's get to know it. Let's put it into practice. Now, here's the deal. Holy Spirit people need to worship God in truth. Amen? And truth people need to connect with the Holy Spirit. This isn't something that you can make up for a deficit on one side by overdoing the other side. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not walking in the truth, so you just worship God for four hours, you know, it doesn't make up for not walking in the truth. you got to walk in the truth. Walking in the truth and doing it more and more doesn't make up for having no connection with the Holy Spirit of God. It's like, uh, it's like a car. You know, you got four tires in your car. And let's say I, you know, I need new tires and I go to the store and I see some beautiful tires, but I can only afford one. So it's the most expensive tire. Maybe it's a race car tire. I don't know, but I get one. I put it on my car and it is the greatest tire ever. Everybody's like, wow, what a great tire, you know, but then I get a flat on the other side. Does this one tire 
do me much good. No, I need all four to be functioning in order to go into uh, driving, you know, and in our analogy, into the fullness of God. Uh, Some things you can ignore in life. You know, like if I want to play football, I don't have to be good at badminton. You know, I can just let my badminton skills go. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, However, if I want to worship God, I need to worship in spirit and in truth. I need both. So sometimes you can focus on your strengths. Other times you need to have everything working. This is one of those situations where we need to bolster both truth and spirit. So, uh, how's that? Feeling good about that? Dave Williams talks about it. He basically is a guy I really like, Dave Williams. Maybe I'll invite him here someday. Kind of fun. Anyway. He talks about, he basically breaks this into three, spiritual, practical, and attitudinal. So there's the spiritual side. We've got to have our spiritual life in order. We've got to have our practical life in order. And we have to have our attitude in order. Now, spiritual, of course, is spirit. Practical is truth. And attitude is both. You know, attitude is the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. This is attitude stuff. However, when you were a kid, did your mom ever say, boy, of course, maybe it wasn't depending on your gender. Boy, <laughs> you get your attitude straightened out. You ever, you ever hear that? <laughs> well, sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and straighten out your attitude, right? You know, like you can will yourself to not give in to certain bad attitude things. That's a truth thing rather than a spirit thing. But uh, spiritual, practical, attitudinal. If you're missing one, it's not going to work. So, for example, you know, sometimes the spirit people, like they want to have a great job. So they're praying and praying and praying and praying. And meantime, they're not showing up on time for work and they're doing a terrible job while they're there. And they got a bad attitude while they're there. Doesn't matter how much you pray. You show up on time, do a good job. You know, I mean, it, you can pray for weeks. It's not going to make any difference because you're not doing the truth part. So you've got to bolster the whole thing. You feeling good about that? All right, fantastic. So let's look at some scriptures that deal with worshiping in truth. I'm going to go to Romans. So again, if you're a truth person, we'll hit you next week, you know? But this is really more for the spirit people because truth people already are living in the truth. They need to connect with the Holy Spirit of God. Spirit people need to walk in the truth. So if you're a Holy Spirit person that thinks, oh, I can, I can lie and I just pray and it'll all work out, it's not how it goes. All right, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So if we look at this in light of uh, some earlier verses in the book of Romans, Romans 6, uh, we'll read 11 through 14 and verse 19, Romans 6, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. So we're not to obey the desires of sin. Verse 13, do not offer the parts of your body to sin. What does it mean to to offer, to make an offering? 
to present something you have before something else. We don't want to make offerings to sin. We want to make offerings to God. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. So I can take my hand and use it to steal. I can take my hand and use it to, to do violence. I can take my hand and use it to work, to earn money, to help others. I can take my hand and raise it in honor of God. I can do different things with my hand. But here it says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. We'll talk about that another day. That's a fantastic verse. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. So uh, we are to offer ourselves to God, live in righteousness and holiness. So offering the parts of our body to do things that are holy and righteous, a living sacrifice. So that means that we do the right thing, right? We don't offer the parts of our body to sin. Instead, we offer the parts of our body to righteousness and holiness. We do good things. You can use your tongue to do harm in this world. You can use it to bring life. What are, you gonna, what are you going to give the things of your tongue to? To the enemy or to God? All right. We're going to whip through some of these. Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule. How many people like the golden rule? It's a good one. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amazing. Sums up the law and the prophets. I love verses like that. So here it's like this is the bottom line. The sum is it's the total, right? It's the total of everything. So Jesus says doing to others what you would have them do to you sums up the law and the prophets. Now this is essential. Right, You want to pay attention to other people's situations, have empathy for their situation, understand what they're going through, and go ahead and do to them what you would want people to do if you were in that situation. Have an understanding of where they're at. And if you are someone who does not care about yourself, who thinks that you should get beat up all the time, then throw that to the side. The assumption is that you're going to be nice to yourself. That's the whole point of this. And so Jesus is saying, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Now, the golden rule, of course, has been used outside of Christian contexts. Right? But Jesus taught this in the Sermon on the Mount. But do you have to be a Christian to see the value of this and put it into practice? Not really. You know, do you need to love God in order to empathize with others and do to others what 
they should do to you. So this sums up the law and the prophets. Can you take the Bible too literally? Had somebody asked me one time, can you take the Bible too literally? Well, I think you can misunderstand what it's saying and, you know, take it to a place it's not meaning to go. Jesus isn't saying, well, forget about love God because, you know, we're supposed to just do unto others as we would have them do unto us. What he's saying is, if you want to understand how to live in the truth, you need to learn how to put other people first. You need to learn how to understand what they're going through. This is an essential part of individual, personal maturing. When you're five, you don't think about other people's feelings. As you grow up, however, then you develop the skills of empathy and understanding what other people are going through and realizing you're not the center of the world. And so you need to see what other people are thinking and see yourself as part of something bigger than yourself. It's unfortunate when people are the center of their universe. What a small, sad universe you live in if you're the center of it. I want to live in a big universe with billions of people. And a God that can do anything. (laughs) I don't want to live in my little bubble. I want to live in a huge universe. The one that's actually there. I am not the center of the universe and neither are you. (laughs) So let's not think that we are. So. View others. Understand what they're going through. See things from their perspective. And treat people accordingly. This is a big piece of walking in the truth. Now, the Protestant work ethic. How many people have heard the phrase Protestant work ethic? Just a few. Look at that. I was watching like a history documentary and they were talking about different countries and how they developed. And one of the things they said about the United States was that it, uh, it developed so well because of the Protestant work ethic. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I hadn't heard about that. And I think it comes from verses like this in 1 Thessalonians. Let me set this up first. So, you know the epistles of Paul. Paul the apostle wrote a bunch of letters, and they're in the Bible as books of the Bible. And most of them are corrective. You know, like the letters to the Corinthians are basically, guys, you're messing it all up. What's, what in the world is the matter with you? The letter to the Galatians, what are you thinking? You know, I mean, these are what's in the letters. They're corrective. However, with the Thessalonians, Paul writes to them. And he's like, wow, you guys are doing great. Here's some next level stuff. So instead of correcting them, he's like, keep doing what you're doing. Let's talk about these deeper things. And so I love reading the Thessalonian letters because it goes into deeper things. And here's one of the deeper things that is talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Make it your ambition. How many people have an ambition in life? Got an ambition? Yeah. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Here's your Protestant work ethic. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, 
to mind your own business and to work with you. Who can give me an amen on this one? Amen. Come on. This is a good one. To lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with, with your hands, just as we told you. So Paul taught this to them when he was there. Now he's writing it to them again. Verse 12, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Be people who are respectable from the outside. Meaning, live a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands. Don't be dependent. Don't need other people to come in and rescue you because you're irresponsible with your resources. You'll win the respect of outsiders by your daily life. Isn't that fantastic stuff? There's your Protestant work ethic. That's why we are living under such great blessings in the United States right now, because the generations that came before us led quiet lives, worked with their hands, minded their own business, and they built incredible resources for us to exploit. Let's be part of doing the same thing. Let's work hard. Let's mind our own business. You know, let's not be busybodies and all that sort of junk. Let's win the respect of outsiders because of our daily life. That's top level stuff that the Thessalonians were taught. One more. Hebrews 13, 17. You know, following the chain of command is an important part of living in the truth. Understanding how to work inside of a structure is an important part of living in the truth. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. This is, uh, this is true in general. So like if you're at school and your teacher says, please sit quietly, what should you do? Please sit quietly. If your employer says, please sweep the floor, or even just says, sweep the floor in a less than pleasant tone, what do you do? Sweep the floor. Obey your leaders. This is though also talking about a church environment. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. The truth people are nice because they just do what you tell them. It's fantastic stuff. Sometimes the spirit people don't like that. You know, they, <laughs> but God told me to do this. Well, God didn't tell me that. So here's what we do. <laughs> now, what happens if people can't, and you know, there's ditches on this, right? Not ta- I'm not telling you to submit to a cult leader or, you know, any kind of foolishness like that. But, uh, you know, uh, Follow basic structures, wear your name tag, you know, things like that. If you're going to volunteer, wear your name tag. Some people are, I don't like name tags. Wear your name tag, you know, come on. That's why we do the hand motions in the vision statement. Cause then you can put on a name tag. You can be successful at that, but there's people, they just, they don't like doing anything that you tell them to do. And what does that do in the body of Christ? Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. Have you heard that pastors are subject to burnout and depression? 
Why is that? Because people don't cooperate. It's really basically that simple. If we work together, and again, you know, don't, don't fall into following a cult leader. That's too far down that side, you know. However, do the simple things, follow the structures. And Holy Spirit people, here's the deal. If you can submit to a proper structure, the Holy Spirit will move more and better. It's true. You think it's the opposite. But inside of a structure, our God is a God of order. Our God is a God that, that is looking to facilitate things working well. So when we submit to proper structures, then things work better. So follow the systems that are in place. This is part of walking in the truth, not in uh, resistance or rebellion, but just following the truth. What if your leader says something that's not exactly right, but is okay? Great. What if your leader says something that's completely heretical? Get out. Right? Tell him first. And then if he's smart, he'll go, oh, and after that, then get out. Because seriously, one of the big problems, we can get too far on that side of, of submitting to poor leadership, and then you're empowering something that's not good. You know, you don't want to, like, put money in the offering plate to support a ministry that's doing damage, that's bad. You don't want to do that. Um, so you, you have to be smart with that. But at the same time, you're going to follow fallible leaders because there are no other kind. All right, so we get an idea of walking in the truth. Some people love this walking in the truth thing. It's just that it makes sense. You can grit your teeth and do it. It's all about honoring people and doing things properly. It's good stuff. But that's not all there is. Let's talk about the rich young ruler. You may uh, be familiar with this particular uh, situation. Jesus was approached by someone who is described uh, this comes up more than once. We're going to read the Matthew account, part of it anyway. Uh, he's described as being a, a rich, young ruler. So he's young, he's doing well, and he's large and in charge. This is someone people would look up to. And so let's pick this up. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? After rereading this interaction in light of the Spirit and Truth sermon series, I thought this was pretty interesting because one of the very one-dimensional relationships with God that many people have is they're trying to get their ticket punched. This is not a worshiper of God. This is not even really a believer. This is someone who thinks God is real and wants to make sure they go to heaven. They're trying to get their ticket punched. It's a very one-dimensional relationship with God. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Do good things give you eternal life? <laughs> He's looking to earn his salvation. All right, verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Let me ask you this. 
Did anybody ever ask Jesus, what's the bottom line on the commandments? What's the most important commandment? Yeah, what did he say? Love God with all you got. Check this out. Verse 18. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. He skips the greatest commandment. He gives a bunch of rules. Don't steal stuff. Don't commit adultery. Honor your parents. He doesn't do the love God one. Amazing. What's going on? Well, the conversation isn't finished yet. Verse 20. All these days I've kept, the young man said. But he knew there was something more. The reality is when we follow all the rules, that's good. But you can feel that you're not done. There's something more. He's followed the rules. He's a smart guy. He's got resources. He's doing right. And he says, what do I still lack? I can tell there's something not there. Verse 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up as I explain this. We're going to pray here in just a minute. Then we'll have time for personal prayer. Here's what's happening. This guy is living in the truth. He's doing the right thing. He's taking responsibility. He's got money. He's, a, he's in charge of people. He's doing very well. He's following the commandments. And Jesus says, you want something more? Come live your life with me. Come with me. The things you have are awesome, but I've got something better for you. And that's walking out your life shoulder to shoulder with me. Come on. If you've read the story, the man's answer was no. He wanted to worship God from a distance, do the right thing, and live his life. But he didn't want to walk out his life with Jesus. He wanted to worship at a distance. That's the downfall of truth without the spirit. Is it's God at a distance. Trying to do right. Always wondering if we're good enough. Feeling like we're missing something. And God is at a distance. Jesus invites this man to walk with him on this earth. And he says, no. Did he make the right decision? No. I say, <laughs> Siri wants to get in on this one. We should ask Siri. <laughs> Did you ever do that? You just like play with Siri? Like... <laughs> Yeah, that's enjoyable. <laughs> so is that God or the devil? I don't know. 
But spirit people, understand this. The Holy Spirit isn't flighty. You play a wrong chord, the Holy Spirit doesn't just disappear. You know what I mean? Like we can, we can go right back into our special moment. It's all good. God didn't leave. We know because we read it. And when you read it, it's obvious this man did not make the right choice. We have that same choice in front of us. Are we going to appreciate God from a distance and try to do the right thing? Or are we going to step into a relationship with him, into intimacy with God, into a connection with him? You need to walk in the spirit to connect with God. Otherwise, it's ideas. It's behaviors. It's the things of truth. Great. We need that. But we need to walk with God. And that's the things of the spirit. Talk about that more next week. But right now, I want us to just spend a little time seeking to connect with God in a personal way. So let's pray along those lines. Then I'll invite people up for individual personal prayer. When it's time for personal prayer, it doesn't matter what the need is. Come get prayer. Need healing. Need a connection with Jesus. You want to give your life to Christ. Great. All these things. Come get personal prayer. God will meet you here. Let's pray for a connection first. Heavenly Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord, that you guide us into walking in the ways of righteousness, into following the commandments, into doing right, into seeing things from other people's perspectives and working with our hands and being respectable. But Lord, we don't want to miss what the rich young ruler gave up. And that's walking with you. Oh Lord, we say yes. We say yes to walking through this life with you. Meet us here. Open up our eyes, open up our hearts that we may see you and know you and walk with you. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to be appreciating you at a distance. We want to connect with you. We want to abide in the vine. We want to know you. Lord, I pray you would meet us right now. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for loving us, for caring about us, for overseeing, uh, for looking past our failures and faults and viewing us as your children. Praise your name. Praise your name. Father, I pray a blessing over each person in this place right now. Lord, I pray your joy would be in our hearts. Lord, that your peace would be upon us, whatever we're going through. And Lord, that we would be open to your love, that we would receive your love, that as we seek to walk with you, we would feel your love hit us and overflow over us. And Lord, just be more than what we can hold so that we can let your love flow to the other people in our lives and share your peace, share your joy. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.